Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast with your host, me, Victoria Fix. On your Weekly Fix podcast, we talk all the issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But most importantly, we talk about issues that impact you, your family, your friends, and your communities. So you can listen, encourage conversation, and eventually get out there and better advocate for yourselves and each other. Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast. I'm so excited for you to be here. My name is Victoria and I am the host of your Weekly Fix podcast. I hope you all enjoyed the first little surprise episode that I snuck in there for you. I got a lot of amazing and positive feedback and I was really pleased to see the response that I got and I was enjoying getting to know all of you on social media and getting to know what you thought of the podcast and I heard from people I haven't heard from in a very long time and it was just a really great feeling to hear from all of you and I want to make this a community so it was really great to be engaging with everybody and seeing you all come out on social media in support of me that was very awesome warmed my heart and it means a lot to me because like I said this is a big risk I'm taking I was not sure what to expect with this so to see all of that positive feedback and enthusiasm really means a lot to me so welcome to the first official episode this is the first episode where we start kind of discussing discussing the deep issues that I want to talk about and yeah we will get right on with it first before we start the episode I just wanted to check in with everybody I didn't acknowledge coronavirus in my introduction episode kind of just because I I don't really have an excuse I was just you know overjoyed and on cloud nine from you know launching that first episode but um, I just want to check in with you guys see how you're doing I personally am a little uneasy still even though we are starting to see numbers drop and states and cities reopen and loosen those social distancing restrictions. I am not completely for it. I was a little disappointed to see people out on beaches and congregating and everything and not social distancing during Memorial Day. I care a lot about my health and my family's health and it was just very scary to see people, you know, putting others at risk. But I guess everyone has a choice. I would just say use your best judgment. But um I'm in no rush to get back to normalcy. I am still uneasy. I'm still very anxious. I think the virus is very alive and present and real and it's very smart. It is still infecting people. People are still hurting and I would just say that if you have to go back to work, you have to go back to work because you have to support your family and pay the bills and get on with life but I also think if you don't have to get back to work and you are one of those few people like me who have the privilege of staying home to do that and let the workers go back to work responsibly and we will reopen the economy responsibly. Um, If you need help with anything navigating anything regarding coronavirus whether it's your mental health physical health or if you just want to talk please reach out to me. I am so heartbroken about all the things this virus has done to our country and our world and I feel for you if you have lost somebody if you are in a financial rut right now um, it is truly devastating so please reach out to me I am thinking of everyone even though coronavirus is losing steam in the sense that people are seeming to forget about it just know I am not forgetting about it and if you are just as scared of me like you are not alone and 
we will fight through this and I would also recommend you advocating for yourself and if you have to go back to work, see how your organization or your company is going to um, protect you and what measures they're going to take to make sure that your health and your safety is prioritized because that is very important. So those are my thoughts right now. I hope everyone's doing okay um, for the most part and thank you to our healthcare workers and our essential workers. Caps off to you guys. You have courage that I don't think I would ever have and you have seen this all unfold right in front of your eyes and you are miracle workers if you will and you are doing the best you can and you are doing an amazing job so thank you very much to those people moving on I just want to introduce some introduction segments that I'll be doing every week you will hear um, a little few prompts that I'll be answering and questions I'll be answering and they will kick off each episode. I think it's a fun way to kick off each episode, spread some of that positivity and inspiration you guys know, you guys know that I love so much. And yeah, I'm just excited to share those. So the first question that I will be answering is who is inspiring me right now? The second question is what am I celebrating in the world right now? And three, um, what am I reading right now? And I will also be following that with the top three to four news stories from the previous week so we can discuss the news, discuss discuss what's current, and review some of that for you guys. Especially if I find news impacting young people and impacting youth, I think that is very important to share. Not that we're youth, but I don't know, we're young adults, you know? <laughs> um, so let's get started. I will start answering those questions. You will be hearing these every week as the episode starts and if you guys have any suggestions on books or people that I should feature please let me know I'd love to hear it so the first question is who is inspiring me right now and who is inspiring me is also in conjunction with the book that I read the book for the week um this won't happen all the time but it just so happens it works out this week where I can answer two questions in one So the person who is inspiring me right now is Trevor Noah. If you don't know him, he is the host of The Daily Show, but I'm sure a lot of you are very well aware of who Trevor Noah is because he is such an icon, especially for our generation, and he is so amazing at discussing issues and being funny and shedding light on a lot of cool issues on his show while also remaining positive and funny. So I love that about him, but what is inspiring me the most about him right now is that I just finished his book, Born a Crime. I know I am so late on this train of reading this book. This book is obviously really well-respected. It has a lot of notoriety. It is a lot of awards. It is well-read. So I know I am late, and you have probably, a lot of you have probably read this book, but I'm just glad that I started reading it and finished it. My best friend told me about it about two years ago and I bought it and it's just sat on my shelf and I don't know why I have grabbed around it, but I'm so glad that I finished it and I'm so happy that I am going to be sharing that with you guys today. So the book is an amazing story. It is like a little memoir about Trevor Noah and his life growing up in South Africa during apartheid and the story of his life is remarkable. He has gone through so much. His relationship with his mom is a big focal point in the story. His relationship with his family in general, his stories about religion, um, discrimination, 
the friends that he met along the way and what his relationships were like. And it's just amazing because A, I learned a lot about South Africa and apartheid more than I thought I knew already. And it shed so much light on history, um, black history especially, in South Africa and how racism was so alive then and what that was like for him growing up and how he navigated it and how he worked hard and how he kept hustling and the things he went through are just astonishing and you guys know that I am so motivated by people and their obstacles that they've overcome because it's truly remarkable. So for this book I just want to share it because it was the first book in a long time that I've read where I felt like I could laugh because, you know, Trevor Noah is hilarious and of course there was humor in it, but I was also in the same breath so astonished by the things that he was sharing, the stories he was telling, and the things that him and his family went through. Um, It is incredibly well written. It's not just about the story he tells, but also how he tells it. And for me, I'm very inspired by writers. I aspire to potentially write something someday. And so it just was a breeze to get through. It was such a page turner and it was so well done. So it's amazing to see why I love him now because he's such a sophisticated comedian. He has so much charisma. He is a huge advocate for a lot of issues in our country and around the world. And I think it's so incredible to see the stories that make him who he is today and a lot of background about him. And so, yeah, I would go out and grab Born a Crime. I'm going to be sharing this on the Instagram so you guys can refer back to it and you will not regret it. And the next question I'm going to be answering is, what am I celebrating in the world right now? And this question is very important to me because I know that in this podcast, we are going to be talking about some hard issues, some triggering issues, some serious issues, and I want to bring some humor to that and some positivity to that. And so by sharing what I'm celebrating in the world right now and sharing positive stories of what people are doing in the world right now or how people are trying to make this world a better place, that's just really cool and important to me. So who I am celebrating in the world right now is the class of 2020. I am so proud of you guys. This is amazing. I can't believe you guys got through this crazy last year of college or high school. I know coronavirus really threw something at you and you had to quickly adjust and quickly adjust to digital learning and finishing your last semester with a lot of hurdles and a lot of difficulty. I remember my last semester of college specifically was one that I worked very hard in coursework wise and finishing my capstone and I just can't imagine having to quickly adapt to what happened with coronavirus and the curveball it threw us. So I just want to say congratulations to you guys. I have seen so many amazing stories of the class of 2020. They are truly one of a kind. They are going out into the world and they are going to be incredible leaders and incredible voices for our generation and for people in this world even though the job market is not great right now for them to be entering I feel like they have the resilience and the dedication to trudge forward and still 
make their life as great as it can, I guess. Um, I think they will be remembered in a really unique way. And even though they weren't able to walk across the stage, they are home celebrating with their friends and family in a safe way. And it's still such an amazing time to celebrate, whether you're graduating from high school or college. It's the best feeling to know that those four years paid off and all of that hard work is to be celebrated and you should feel rewarded because you deserve it. So congratulations to the class of 2020. I am so proud of you guys and I hope you continue to celebrate through the summer safely, of course. And yeah, I just caps off to you guys like you really killed it. So congratulations. And then going forward, what I would typically be doing right now is sharing some top news stories from the previous week so you guys can stay informed if you hadn't caught up on all the news. I just want to highlight some things, especially things that I find important that might impact your lives directly or your community's lives. So usually I would be doing that, but I have taken some time to figure this out. I have re-recorded this episode actually a handful of times because I'm trying to figure out how to best address this situation and I've really been struggling with it. I want to keep things current for you guys but I also want to keep on schedule and talk about things that I have planned and issues that impact you greatly even if you don't see those issues every day. So I wanted to do an episode on racial injustice, but I wanted to keep my promise and keep on schedule and talk about cancel culture because that's what I had planned for this episode. So I decided that I would use this time to talk about George Floyd and the unfortunate event that happened this past week of his murder by a police officer. And you guys, I'm sure, all know about it and have seen the videos and seen the news, and it is horrifying. If you haven't, I mean, what are you doing? Like, go listen and figure out what's been going on in the world. But I also made a choice to not take this time and talk about why this is wrong, why this shouldn't have happened. If you're a human, you know why this shouldn't have happened. I'm not going to stand on my soapbox right now and talk about white supremacy and what I believe in and how this country is treated people of color horribly for its entire existence. So instead, I want to use this time to be productive and to be instructive and talk about things that my white listeners especially can do to help uplift black communities, how to advocate for them, and how to not just post on social media, but find actionable tools that you can use to make this country better and to dismantle a system that actively oppresses people of color, specifically in this instance, black people. So that is what I'm going to do. I will definitely be doing future episodes on racial injustice, white supremacy, white privilege, and all things related to that. It's obviously very important. It's obviously not talked about as much as it should be, especially among young people. And yeah, so with all that being said, I hope you respect my decision. I hope you understand. I just have been very emotional about this and 
I feel like my emotions are getting in the way right now of giving a constructive lesson or a constructive podcast episode on racial injustice. So without further ado, I'm just going to go through a few tips I have, a few things I think white people should be doing actively and how we can better right our wrongs and actively impact and in a positive way black communities. I also just want to say before I start this that I, you know, am only trying to be educational and informative. I am a white person. I have no idea what life is like for people of color in this country. I will never be able to walk in their shoes as much as I try to have empathy and I educate myself and none of us white people will ever be able to because we are not a person of color. We are white and whether we like it or not, we actively benefit from this system and I don't want to come off as a spokesperson for the black community. I don't want to tout myself as somebody who knows more than others about racial injustice because I don't. I have just committed to learning about racial injustice, especially in the criminal justice system these past four to five years. And like I've always said, I just feel like it's right for me to do that and it's what I love doing and I am on a mission to change policies in this world to better impact people of color, specifically in my case in the criminal justice system, but I hope I can do that in other ways too. So please, like I said, you will get better advice and better information from a person of color, from a black community member, but this is my podcast and I just want to educate people as much as I can. And these are things that I have found very useful um, during my time and trying to be an ally for people of color. Also, these are just a few tips. I don't want to take up too much time. Um, there's new information coming out every day and how you can help the black community, especially George Floyd, especially Minneapolis. And I am not covering them all and I am aware of that. So please forgive me. Um, I'm just trying to use the best time I have and give you guys my best advice. So the first thing I think white people need to do is educate themselves. And this is easy because education is at our fingertips. A lot of us are so lucky. We have access to the internet. We have access to books. A lot of us are in college. We have access to a lot of information. And when I say educate yourself, I don't just mean educate yourself on baseline racism. It's not enough just to know I know saying the n-word is bad. I know treating black people is bad. No, you should actively understand the history of our country, actively understand why racism is systematic, why it has been done purposely by our ancestors and by the people who have come before us to make laws, and why white privilege and white supremacy is so prevalent in that. So in order to educate yourself, I think it's important to not just scan the internet and scan Twitter. I think you should read books, especially by black authors. Watch the news when black reporters are on. Hear their stories, racism through their eyes, what they've experienced, their stories, what they want for our country, what they see, what advice they can give us to better help them because the stories we hear from people of color from black people those are going to be the best most honest raw experiences we'll ever be able to get because like I said we'll never experience that 
Um, For me, I know a lot of people don't have cable, but my family actively watches MSNBC and it's like a non-negotiable for me. I always watch Joy Reid, whether she's on for somebody or just her normal show, AM Joy, on the weekends because A, she's just freaking smart and an amazing journalist and like so educated, but, and I just genuinely enjoy her more than other segments, but she brings racial injustice on her show. She talks about race. She talks about racism on every show, no matter what is happening in the world. And it's so important because week after week, she is bringing light to these issues. And she's one of the only, if not the only, person of color, um, black woman on MSNBC. And she always has diverse panels of women, especially women of color, and people of color in general on her show. And it just makes the news so much more valuable and strong and raw and it's so enjoyable and it's just you hear the news from the source and you can hear people's stories that have actively gone through racism, unfortunately, but they it's their line of work she often has the founders of Black Lives Matter on frequently. She's always bringing their voices to the table. And I've seen a lot of white people on the show, too, that are often kind of shut up, shut out, or if you will, by um, the women of color because they have such a better understanding of race and racism, excuse me. So, yeah, that's just my little personal token. Um, number two is help black candidates get on the ballot. Help candidates of color get on the ballot. Um, black people do not have the representation required in government. We need a government that accurately represents who lives in this country. And it's only the people of color. It is only black people that are going to accurately be able to represent black constituents and community members across this country. They will better bring racial injustices onto the floor they will be able to better address issues in black communities, racial injustice. They will bring these issues to the floor. They will highlight them in a more successful way. And it's just important, especially at the local level. Um, the local level is where we see a lot of reform done. It, 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 the local, local politics is where we see change actively being made in our communities. So you can do this by... Um, volunteering. If you go onto your candidate's websites, you can look at volunteer opportunities and sign up. You can phone bank. You can canvas. And I'm going to be doing an episode soon about ways to get involved and volunteer in this upcoming election and elections to come because it's not as difficult as you might think. Um, Get familiar with your district. I would just Google where you live, what your district is, understand the level of government and the levels of power in your area. If someone, if a black candidate's running for superintendent or school board or city council, those are the people you want to back. Those are the people you want to help get on the ballot and go canvas for because that's the change you're going to see in your community and for your black and brown neighbors. Um, Yeah, so try to do that. Next, something that is very powerful that a lot of people forget to do is to call your representatives, city council, state senators, state assembly people, um, congress people, your senators that are in the national senate. Anyone you can give a call, even if they're outside of your district. I interned at 
Senator Gillibrand's office in college and a lot of us interns talked to constituents a lot and they voiced their concerns and we documented them and we at the end of every day sent them to the senator. So it helps. It gets in their ear. They do want to better represent their communities. That's what I believe. So if they know what your thoughts are, they can go out and advocate for you at a pol- at a policy level or a legislative level. So please don't think it's a waste of time. Their phone numbers are directly on their websites. Just another reason to get familiar with who represents you and making sure that they are representing you adequately. Call them out if they haven't made a statement at least yet about this and racial injustice and they're not actively on the floor trying to bring policies and support and sponsor policies that impact people of color in your neighborhood and in your district, then tweet to them, call them, tag them on Instagram, whatever you can do to get in their ear. And if you don't like them and somebody's running against them in the fall, another perfect opportunity to support that candidate. Another tip is to have conversations with your friends and family and actively be anti-racist. The conversation around racism has become so cavalier and I have noticed time and time again and It doesn't always have to be someone blatantly saying the N-word. Racism comes in different ways. And if it sounds racist, it is racist. And you need to call people out and explain why it's wrong, even if it's a tough conversation. And it shouldn't be a tough conversation. Because if they don't want to be racist, they'll accept that. They'll accept the critique or the criticism and they will learn from it and they will become better. And that's what it's all about. So actively be calling people out for their comments like I said it's not always blatant it's innuendos and conversations that if they sound uncomfortable if they sound racist they are and even if it's someone you love even if it's a stranger you don't even know in the store or out on the street please have those conversations and please start to change the dialogue And lastly, what I have is to donate to organizations that are actively uplifting Black communities, that are actively doing work that impacts the people in their community, that are lobbying, that are helping change laws, that are advocating for them in all different sectors. Please donate. I will have lists of organizations in Minneapolis and around the country that you can donate to. The first organization I can just think of right now um, is Black Lives Matter go right on their website. They, I would honestly, if you're looking for education, I would just start right with their website. It is an amazing website with so much information, so many tools and resources for you to use. And you can, there's a donate section. Um, I recently donated to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. I will continue to be donating. I am lucky I can, but a little bit goes a long way. And if you can't donate, you can call those organizations. You can call the officials in Minneapolis, call the mayor, call the police department, and do your best to advocate for people who are voiceless or or who are not being heard. We are obviously seeing even their protests are being criticized. They are being told to go home. If you are white and you can go on the street, go for it. But if you just want to call and that's what you can do right now, do that too. And lastly, um, sign petitions. There's a lot of digital petitions going around right now. Petitions are a way to strengthen policy. It's a way to get issues on the floor, to get issues in front of your officials, and it gives them backing and a reason to do what they have to do. A lot of times it's a requirement, and petitions are so easy to 
be done now because they are digitalized. Change.org has a lot of petitions going around. I signed one. I've signed a couple actually this past week and it's just really easy to do. So sign petitions, share them on your social media, keep sharing on your social media, but don't let it just be posts here and there and you forget about it next week. Make a pledge like I am doing right now to be better, to use your voice and have a purpose in this society that's greater than yourself. Advocate for people who are constantly suppressed because I believe in this lifetime that we have, we are going to be the generation that sees this through. We are going to be the generation that puts a stop to racial injustice, to put a stop to systematic racism. And I believe we can because like I've said, we've got the grit, we've got the talent, we've got a vision for a better world. And I think that if we come together, we are really going to see this happen for us. So I'm very proud of the people who have been outspoken on social media. I have seen actually a lot of people um, that haven't yet, haven't posted about outrage in the past who are feeling more comfortable to do it now or not comfortable, but feeling like it's a need now. But the time has gone and passed. Like this is long overdue and we really need to do everything we can and a little bit goes a long way and you will feel better in your your community will thank you for it. So I hope these tips were helpful or these tools were helpful. I will definitely be posting more on the Instagram. There is new information coming out every day, new ways to help. So please be on the lookout for those and I will do my best to communicate with those to you on the podcast Instagram. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I hope you got some use out of it but we are going to move forward with this week's episode of your weekly fix podcast and it is all about cancel culture and social media this is a topic that is very new very relevant and it's something when I was planning podcast episodes for your weekly fix I knew I wanted to touch upon this and I thought you know what this is a great way to kick off the podcast because it actually explains a lot of what I am trying to accomplish with this podcast. It has a lot to do with coming together and it has a lot to do with our generation. So I think it's a great idea. I wanted to learn more about it and I hope you guys learn a little bit more about it too and I want to hear your thoughts about it after. So before we get started, I think it's obviously important that we define cancel culture. Some people might know of it, but not know it by name. So this is from dictionary.com, and I think it mm, adequately (laughs) describes it or defines it, but it refers, cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support or, quote, canceling public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in a form of group shaming. Another definition on Vox.com is that the idea that a person can be, quote, canceled, in other words, culturally blocked from having a prominent public platform or career. So these are two definitions that I think do an okay job at explaining what cancel culture is. But as you guys saw in these definitions, it directly refers to people who have a prominent role in society and I think the reason it does that is because we do see cancel culture happening at a level where there are celebrities or prominent companies or leadership roles out there because we're seeing that and we see people being 
canceled in that way. But canceling happens all the time and it happens at our level. It happens casually. It happens formally and it happens way beyond the this public celebrity type of situation, I guess. So um, I want to say too that there's also a distinction between what we call cancel culture and call out culture. Call-out culture actually began in the civil rights era. Call-out culture began when, in the 1950s and 60s, black people specifically decided to protest um, racist culture and racist practices, and they went out and boycotted and got to the streets and protested and called out racist practices for what they were, and they wanted to gain attention. They wanted to see change. And we see this a lot now. We're currently seeing this in Minneapolis. We're seeing protesters. We're seeing this across the country. We saw it in the Women's March that people are sick and tired of things they don't believe in and they want to call it out and hopefully provide some activism so that policies can be changed and public leaders can get the idea that what is happening is wrong. On another scale, I see call-out culture in media, for instance. In media and TV shows and in movies and in pop culture, we don't see accurate representation of people across ethnic groups and identities across the United States people have called it out. People have called out representation in media at award shows and and beyond. And we are slowly but surely starting to see television shows and movies and actors in these movies and television shows that depict what America is all about. It depicts the people that live in America, not just white people. But we still have a lot of work to go on that too. So I think it's important to distinguish cancel culture and call out culture, but they do have a similar notation, I guess. So I think when I was first doing research on this, I was like, you know, I don't really agree with cancel culture. I think it's, I think it is public shaming. I think we need to work together. And I think some people just make mistakes and deserve a second chance. And canceling people isn't where we're going to see progress. I like call-out culture. Call-out culture sounds a little bit better. We're calling people out for their errors. We're calling people out for their inappropriate behavior or they're racist or homophobic or whatever culturally insensitive comments they're making. And we're saying, hey, maybe you rethink what you're saying and relook at what you're talking about and maybe make some changes. And when I was doing research, I was seeing this misconstrued idea that if you're canceled, you actually lose your prominent role or your public spot. And what we've seen is actually very rarely do people actually retire or actually resign or actually leave their post. You know, um, for instance, Kevin Hart is as popular as ever and he has made horrible, horrible homophobic remarks, jokes or otherwise. Amy Schumer, I found out, made horrible jokes about rapists and rape culture she's just as popular as ever. I also found that people consider those who have been canceled are R. Kelly and Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and Kevin Spacey and people that have preyed upon women in media and preyed upon women in the workspace and raped them and they're predators. And so I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We obviously don't have a good definition of cancel culture. This is all across the board what is cancel culture? And I can't figure out what it is, who it applies to, 
who suffers from this, who was actually called canceled, who comes back from being canceled. What is this? And for me, of course, R. Kelly, Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, and the long line of lists of misogynistic predators in this country who rape women and prey on women, of course, they're canceled. Because finally, in the Me Too era, we have finally brought attention to this. Survivors are slowly starting to be believed and they've been canceled. But what about the people that have been canceled who didn't prey on women or commit some act of violence like this and they just come right back and they don't like really apologize or they have some haphazard apology and they come back and all is well and good like is that okay I think cancel culture in our generation is becoming popular because we're sick and tired of seeing people of power that aren't held accountable and there isn't government accountability or leadership accountability in this country so like yeah we're damn mad we're mad that people are able to say what they want if it's insensitive or discriminatory or racist or what have you and they're able to find their way back into the public space and have influence on a society and continue to get away with it And sometimes I'm like, yeah, people deserve to be canceled. I think of someone like Tommy Lauren, for instance, this right-wing conservative so-called journalist that spews the most ignorant hate and racism in the entire world. She has a huge platform. She enables violence. She is proud as punch to be who she is and has literally no remorse or accountability for her actions. Yeah, like where, why does she have a platform? she should be fired she should be she should be removed from twitter her tweets are violent and here we are again seeing our generation excuse me our generation seeing that people aren't held accountable women were sick and tired of seeing predators get away with horrible acts of violence and rape and still having a prominent role in their industry they were sick of it they deserve to be canceled And then another part of me is thinking about people that often fall victim to this. And I think we are seeing a lot happening where someone will make a remark, someone will make a comment, and not truly understand the repercussions, the implications, or the strength of what they're saying. And they come from a good place, they have good stances on issues in our society and they truly make an insensitive comment that is a mistake and I think there's a lot of situations like that and the reason I'm talking about this today is because I worry that our generation is going to start making oversweeping generalizations of people based on what they say when at the end of the day the only point of having discussions about issues is so that we can learn from one another so we can add analyze what people are saying figure out how they came to that conclusion we might not agree on everything we might not agree on anything but the point is that we learn and we grow and when we make arguments personal when we generalize somebody because of a comment that they made or we make a stereotype about them because of what they did it ends up dividing us even further and the main goal in learning and becoming a better person if it's a personal goal for you or for me like it's a it's a goal to be a better to be a better society those goals go out the window because we are judging people and we are not actually looking at the issues and learning from one another but yet making generalizations about people and judging them 
you know, right now I'm even having that fear. Am I going to be canceled if what is said in this podcast taken a different way? I mean, I think people trust me. I think people know where I stand on issues. But if I'm not perfectly clear on what I want to say, I could be canceled. I could be banished from the conversation and I don't want to be. I want to learn. I want to be better. Some of this curiosity, I think, does come from a place of experience. I remember when I went to college, although I thought, okay, I understand race. I understand culture. I am liberal I am progressive I thought I was ahead or prepared for conversations in the classroom and I wasn't I remember I made really culturally insensitive comments really stupid out of touch and mindless comments and I remember my professors called me out on it at times or my classmates my friends we would laugh sometimes because they were literally that stupid and my friends would walk me through it or talk me through it and we would have an amazing conversation after class about whatever the things I said or some of my other counterparts said and those productive conversations are what made me who I am today and if I didn't have those discussions if I didn't have my friends professors and colleagues walk me through that and I didn't learn and go home and do my research I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have that drive and that passion and vision for a better future. I would probably not even be doing this podcast. And it was because of those people in my corner, the people who made me feel uncomfortable at times, but did it because they knew where I stood on issues and they wanted me to be better, better, excuse me. That's why I've decided to pick this career. That's what's made me fall in love with public service. That's what's made me want to make change. And it was because of a change of perspective. And I think all of us could gain something from that. We are human. We do make mistakes. We are not our we are not our parents' opinions. We are not, you know, we have a responsibility to make our own decisions. We're adults now. But I was from maybe a community that didn't do me justice in teaching me enough about race or enough about culture I'm not trying to disparage where I'm from but maybe that was just the nature of where I was from and I needed to take responsibility for that I needed help navigating that and I think a lot of us are in that boat if you don't take responsibility if you don't take ownership if you're in your 20s and you still don't understand depression and you still don't understand groups that are marginalized and kicked out of society then you're obviously not benefiting from a different perspective and I only was able to because I had an open mind and I think that's crucial in how we talk to one another and how we educate one another and even though it is our own responsibility we are adults I do think part of this has to do with community and we should help people we should be better we should be a community that helps people learn and what kind of country are we if we can't help people who need help learning but at the end of the day it is your responsibility racism is wrong discrimination is wrong predatory behavior is wrong and you should be better than where you are from it is no excuse you should rise above whatever ignorance maybe you grew up with whatever little information you had and rise above it and make a change make a difference now And if you choose to ignore that discrimination is wrong, if you choose to ignore the facts, if you choose to ignore history and what it says about our country, then I'm not speaking to you because I'm speaking to people that want to have an open mind, have an open perspective, and want to see change in this world. If you choose to ignore the facts, then I don't know, maybe you should be canceled.
I hope you guys are understanding my point. I hope I'm not coming off in a wrong way or, you know, I hope you know where I stand on these issues. I just am trying to make us become a better generation, a better community, and I think we can do well at doing that if we have a little bit more empathy and better understanding of where people come from. Um, I think if you guys aren't really getting what I'm saying, I think um, I have something that will help you. When I was doing research for this podcast, I actually came across an awesome New York Times article where one of my favorite black feminists and activists, Loretta Ross, who is a self-identified liberal, she is a activist especially for women of color and reproductive justice, she gave her opinion on cancel culture and she wrote as a black feminist i find cancel and call out culture to be a toxic place wherein people attempt to expunge anyone with whom they do not perfectly agree with rather than remaining focused on those who profit from discrimination and injustice and i couldn't have said it better myself I fear that cancel culture, although we're frustrated, although we want to see this behavior end, I fear that it's going to cause so much competitiveness and anger and division and we are going to become further divided instead of coming together, teaching each other, learning from one another, and keep our eye on the prize. The eye on the prize, keeping your eye on the prize is, our prize is to dismantle a system that oppresses people. It is to include all groups of people. It's to make our generation more inclusive, where people feel represented, where people feel identified, and where they feel comfortable, and where we see progress and making a better future. So if we constantly are canceling our classmates and our the people in our workplace, instead of having meaningful discussions about culture in general, who are we? Because we are as great as our weakest link, as corny as that sounds. If we want to see progress, we are going to have to come together. You might be more advanced than someone else. You might have been studying racism and culture and discrimination for much longer than somebody else who might come from a town or a space where race is never even discussed and they only see people with the same skin color in the same sexual orientation in the same identity as themselves so all i have to say is that although we are frustrated although we were we are angry and we are finally calling people out for their inappropriate and unacceptable behavior and people deserve to be canceled if they will not take responsibility and will not express remorse and be better people we also need to remember our our mission and what it is and it's to make this place a better place and we can all learn from each other and we can all come together and help people gain a different or better perspective on life than they didn't know before because of where they are from or what they were another part of cancel culture i see that is going to be very damaging for our generation is that we grew up in social media and everything is recorded everything is posted we have taken we have put in our put our lives out on social media and when facebook and twitter and instagram became a thing my stupid 16 year old self literally posted 
every inch of my life on social media and I look back and I'm like, "Are were you crazy, Victoria? And I know a lot of us are in the same boat as that, but we have seen that having very negative repercussions. People have decided to not run for office because of things that might be on the internet. People have been exiled from their industry because of things that are found on social media. Some things found, of course, are despicable. We have seen a lot of people in our generation, specifically I'm thinking of a two young people that were just that just got in trouble for very disgraceful racist things they posted on TikTok. Sure. Okay. Like that's obviously disgusting and unacceptable and horrid. Or let's see, let, let me think of someone. Amy, this Amy girl from Central Park who racially profiled, profiled somebody called the police on this person because their, her dog wasn't on a leash. Yeah. You should be fired from your job absolutely so i think we as a generation do need to come up with some measurement to figure out what's acceptable and what's not but we've also seen people lose their jobs and lose their roles in society because of things like revenge porn um which is wrong or posts of them at a party or saying something stupid or just having a negative presence i guess on social media but that doesn't accurately depict who they are as a person today and I don't think our generation should be blocked out of certain spaces because of our potential mistakes that we may might have made as children as literal children that we then let the world see because I don't think we were doing anything differently than our parents or past generations it's just that social media has become a tool to spread that information to literally everybody and it stays out there forever um So all I'm saying is I think as a generation, we're going to need to figure out in all of this with cancel culture, with social media, with call out culture, we need to somehow figure out what is the line? What is the measurement? How do we quantify this? How do we measure if someone should be canceled or should be called out or not be canceled or should be fired from their job or not? Some things people consider unacceptable. Some things people think are a mistake who knows? And I think that it's very murky and I'm worried about our generation for this reason. So all in all, I think all of us have really great intentions. I think a lot of people are doing their best. I think a lot of people want to see change in this world and these little things of competitiveness and social media and maybe prior mistakes we've made in our life is coming in front of us and and, and causing a hurdle and we've got to do something about it. We have to be there to advocate for our fellow youngins, our fellow millennials, our Gen Z people, and figure out how is this going to be normalized, how do we solve this problem, and what there is to do. So all I have to say is I think in wrapping this up that we need to stick together, we need to not rush to judgment, we need to teach our other fellow counterparts that what is culturally insensitive, what is not, what should be tolerated, what is not, and be active in your community and be active in conversations and calling people out when it's necessary, but also not canceling them when they mean well and they're trying their best to do better for people in this society. So that's all I have to say on the topic. I probably missed a lot. Um, This is a tough, tough stuff to talk about sometimes and it's something I just wanted to bring light to. 
obviously I don't have the answer and I really just want to spark a discussion about it and um, yeah so if you have any additional information about this or you want to share your thoughts please let me know um, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay, stay active, and be the good people I know you are, and keep tagging me on Instagram. Let me know what you think of the first episode. Follow me at your weekly fix podcast on Instagram, and keep up to date with all things your weekly fix. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.